Hi, I'm Bill Singh from Faith Presbyterian Church. Thank you for joining us for today's message. I don't know if you knew about this, but I actually started coaching second and third grade football, and I never planned on coaching football. It was like one of the lowest things on my desires, things that I wanted to do uh, at this time in my life. And as an added bonus to that, on top of that, not only do I get to be the coach, the coaches in our league are also supposed to be the quarterbacks as well. So you can only imagine, I was a linebacker when I played football, so I was definitely no quarterback. But I'm learning. Uh, so yesterday was our second game, and uh, the other team scored on their very first play. When we got the ball, I decided that we should pass. Okay, and so first play, the, re the receivers go deep, I throw the ball, the kids on the other team chase down our receivers, and almost in slow motion, I saw as I released the ball that it traveled in the direction of one of the kids who was guarding our receiver, and in slow motion, it hit the defender in the back of the head. The entire audience went silent, and I just wished I could vanish. But I was there. And as the game went on, I got better. And that's all I am asking of every one of you now. That you get better. Get better at what you might be asking. Reading your Bible. I want everybody to get better at reading your Bible. As a teacher of the Bible, my number one goal is to help you to love and to know God's Word. I come here to teach and you get to go home or be at home and, uh, and be able to read your Bibles for yourself and you get to double check me. You get to enjoy God's Word to yourself. That's easy enough, right? Well, today's topic makes it just a little bit more complicated as, as the title of this message is Twisted Scripture. We're going to talk about how to understand what the Bible says. And it's an arduous task, but we are all students and we are all learning. Just as I do so in football, the most important thing is that you show up and you keep on opening up God's Word. I'm reminded of a story of a brilliant teacher, a geologist, who wrote many books, but no one had ever met. He was envied because of his intellect, but mostly stayed to himself. This was before the internet, and so uh, when he showed up for live speaking engagements, people clamored to be able to go and see him. And then one day, he decided he was going to start a summer speaking tour. That way, everybody could come and experience him and get to hear what he had to say. Well, he didn't really like talking a whole lot. And about midway through the summer, he was burnt out. He did not want to talk anymore. And so as he's driving to his next speaking engagement, he tells his driver, I'm done. I am not speaking tonight. Well, his driver had been there for every single one of his lectures. And so he had an idea. So he said, hey, let's have some fun. How about tonight? I give a lecture. The professor said, 
Well, that's a great idea. So they exchanged outfits and the driver gave the next lecture. It was flawless. He didn't miss a single detail. So apparently he'd heard this thing so many times that he had memorized it. At the end of the lecture, the crowd exploded in applause. The master of ceremonies went to the mic and said, that was great. I think we should do a Q&A. <laughs> a young student ran up, an eager young student ran up to the mic and said, Professor, how can you justify your radiocarbon dating method in light of the universal deluge that abruptly changed all geological specimens from the antediluvian era from there on? And by the way, you might mention how that impacted the laws of thermonuclear dynamics. The real professor <laughs> sat in the corner and he was sweating bullets, having no idea how his driver was going to handle this. So the man posing as the professor walked up to the mic and in a, an air of confidence says, that question is so easy to answer. I think I'll have my, my driver answer that tonight. Our subject is tough. And unfortunately, I don't have a driver that can stand in for me. So I just have to, just have to put it out there. When someone calls themselves a Christian or a Christ follower, it means nothing if they do not believe in the Word of God. We have to read it and we have to believe it. And those who believe man's word over God's word should not be considered Christians at all. As a teacher of the Bible inside a faith Presbyterian church, it is my responsibility to challenge you all, if you do not already do it, to read your Bibles daily and believe the word of God. And if you aren't able to read it daily, I understand sometimes life gets busy at least weekly in a free country where it's legal to read the Bible, where there's free access to the Bible in just so many ways through apps, through uh, computers, through phones, through uh, just even people handing out free Bibles. There is no excuse for Christians to read their Bibles any less than one time a week. The reason why I take reading the Bible seriously is because it is our number one weapon in combating false doctrines and false beliefs. Who of you out there wants to believe in what's true? I imagine every single one of you does. Now, out of curiosity, is there anybody listening to this who wants to believe lies? Even better, is there anybody who wants to be led astray because you've bought into lies and false doctrines. None of us do. If that is the case, we need to be able to combat false doctrines as well. We do that by reading and knowing our Bibles. Furthermore, if you consider yourself to be a leader inside the church, when I say a leader, I don't mean somebody that has an official position of any sort. What I am saying is somebody that desires to lead people in the ways of God Titus 1.9 gives the leadership in the church the responsibility to refute false teachings and belief. Let me say it again. Titus 1.9 
gives the leadership in the church the responsibility to refute false teachings and beliefs. Now, when I say responsibility, what do I mean? Well, it means you're expected to do something that you don't necessarily want to do. So why do we need to refute false teachings? Why is that so important? Well, because false teachings come about because of a lack of faith in God's word. False teachings have absolutely no place inside of the church. What I am trying to say is that the Bible is God's word. We do not make up our own beliefs and interpretations about life or about the operations of the universe. We get our perspective from God's word and his word says some pretty wild stuff. For instance, 2 Peter 3.16 says, The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of, of the scriptures. So did you get that? Twisting God's word leads people to their own destruction. Now what does this have to do with the book of Genesis? We're in this whole Genesis agenda series, and we have to be and, and we want to know what how does this relate to Genesis chapter 2 as we introduced it? Well, we have to be consistent with our interpretation of the Bible. If we interpret Genesis differently than what we do the rest of the Bible, our entire biblical framework falls apart. We decide that it is okay to pick and choose what we want to believe inside of the Bible. And understand the creation account is vital. I believe that Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are the way that God created the world. I challenge you to read Genesis 1 and 2. If you believe that these chapters are indeed the word of God, you should find a way to believe them. Now let me give you an example. Being one who takes the Bible literally, I have to admit that I found it kind of confusing understanding the transition between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And indeed it is confusing. But through careful study of what it says in the larger context, I learned how to understand it. What I don't understand is how we interpret the creation account as an allegory or as being merely symbolic. For instance, one of the big non-literal ways of interpreting Genesis is to say that a day in the creation account was not a literal 24-hour day. It could have been thousands of years. It could have been millions of years. Now, if you want to believe that, then you also have to tell me what it means then when it says there is evening and there is morning. Day one, day two, day three, and so forth. Because when it says when there's evening and there is morning, there is no other way that I can think to interpret that other than to say that it is making it clear that it was a complete cycle of a day. Furthermore, I never hear what the events of each day mean from a symbolic point of view. Genesis doesn't just say that the world, you know, the creation account doesn't just say the world was created in six days and just move on from there. 
but the days actually have details. Things happen on each one of those days and those things have to mean something. And I've never heard that explained from a symbolic point of view. For instance, the Bible says that the sun, moon, and stars were made on day four of creation, but the light was created on day one of creation. Why were the sun, moon, and stars created three days later? It also says that the fish and the birds were created on the same day of creation. And it also says that animals, all animals, were given plants to eat. How do we understand these things from a symbolic perspective? I would contest it was never meant to be that way, but that we were supposed to take it literally. I think that it's okay to acknowledge I do not understand it, but we should never decide not to believe it. We should always choose to believe the Word of God, even if we lack understanding. As a teacher of God's Word, I ask myself, why can't people just believe what the Bible has to say? Without faith, we can do nothing. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. But there is hope. Number one, if you continue to read your Bible. And number two, if you choose to believe it. Psalm 1 tells us, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. i like to thank you for joining me today uh, for our message. My name again is Pastor Bill Singh, and I serve at Faith Presbyterian Church. Feel free to visit us sometime. Uh, we, our address is 700 East Melrose in Finley, Ohio. Our services start at 10.30 in the morning. We would absolutely love to see you and or your family out at our service sometime. We look forward to welcoming you. But if you're not able to make it out there, continue to join us on this uh, regular recording on Sunday mornings of our messages. You can find us at faithoffinley.org. That is our website where you can find our messages on YouTube. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe, and have a very blessed day.